0: Welcome to Communicate Like You Give a Damn, the podcast. Our guests share their stories and approaches to embedding diversity, equity, and inclusion in communications because, I mean, let's be honest, we know the power of language. And language leads to behavior. So thank you. Thank you for joining us in leveling up your communications. I'm your host, Kim Clark. And DEI Communications, it's kind of my thing. So let's get into it. Let's learn more about how to communicate like you give a damn. Hey everybody, Kim Clark here, host of Communicate Like You Give a Damn. And we are jumping out of the United States with our guest today, all the way across the pond as it's, as as it were to Spain. Barcelona, Spain. And I can't say it accurately. It's kind of Barth Barcelona, Barcelona, Spain. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on that. Uh, I recently had the chance to visit uh, our guest in person for the first time, get to see her in person for the first time over this um, this last fall of 2023, and um, uh, get to learn a lot more about what's going on in Spain and Europe when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion and language, she runs a PR agency. She's going to introduce herself in just a second. And I had the opportunity of working with Ema, our guest, on a webinar that was broadcast across all of Europe, right, for WorldCom. And we became fast friends over email and Zoom <laughs> after that to the point where she actually wrote a testimonial for our book, which I'll refer to in just a second. Ema, Welcome to the podcast. When I saw you, when we got that time together, the kind of conversations that went into 2 a.m. in the morning, you know, I, I knew that we had to bring you on and bring the perspective of what is public relations and communications at large, spe- especially from the Spain perspective, uh, to give us that kind of an idea of inclusive language in a gendered language. You know, it's going to be an interesting conversation, so I'm really looking forward to it. Ima, welcome, please introduce yourself. Well, thank you for
1: having me, Kim, and I'm, I'm really glad I get to see you again, uh, despite it's with screen in between. Well, my, my name is Inma, Inma Folk. I'm born and raised in Barcelona. You said it quite right, Barcelona. Yeah. And despite being an engineer, I end up, well, I end up, I am right now, I haven't ended up anything yet, running a PR agency um, for the past 27 years. Um, We started focusing solely on technology. So our PR, and back almost 30 years ago, was... Our purpose there was uh, making technology um, something to be understood by the general public because technology... Was a part of, was part of the geek and nerd world, but now is in, in our everyday life and everything. So, uh, over the years, obviously, this purpose has been changed as we mature as persons, also, and we try to make a better world through communications and working for challenging brands, for brands that have a purpose. And despite half of them, uh, the majority of my clients are still in technology. We try to go beyond the service or thing they, they they do you know so more of the impact you know? and yeah and it, it's it's a challenge to work on on PR nowadays for many reasons but um, talking about diversity um, equity and inclusion specifically in Spain because we have a very um, Catholic guilt culture on our backs a very um, uh, patriarchy society, heter- heteropatriarchy society, <laughs> and also good things being done by the government. So it's a constant debate between what should we do, what has been done that has to ne- needs to be changed, what is compliance, and also make our clients believe in that.
0: So talk about why you got into communications like personally and what you see as your responsibility Um, and how it's changed over the last 27 years so you know I always thought uh, it's funny
1: because I personally never felt that being a woman engineer had been an issue in my career but now I realize that unconsciously and unconsciously it was because somehow in my time it was sort of the path to follow to end up in marketing instead of in the tech department (laughs) and somehow my career developed that way you know i start i i started my career in Philips, which is a dutch company working as a tech support and somehow i ended up in marketing then i started studying marketing communications because i realized i didn't know that much uh i then became a product manager and a big wholesaler and then i realized that um, our distributors our clients and most of all our the end users didn't understand what technology was all about and why should they invest in technology so that led me into training and eventually into communication but nowadays i think well maybe if i've been born now Um, which apparently there's still a lot of issues with women in tech, but nothing to do with how it was 30 years ago. Maybe I would have ended up because I still get the thrills when I fix a computer. I still do that myself. You know, I'm the IT, despite I have 20 people in my company, I'm still the, I'm the CEO. And the IT manager, (laughs) because I really enjoy (laughs) technology. So sometimes I I say to myself, how come I'm not really in tech and now I'm in communication? Because maybe it's the way the path of being a woman in in tech has led me to, which, but anyway, so... And then communication also, we, I started by explaining the what, uh, then we move into the how, and now, thankfully, I'm in the why, you know, and and the purpose and why do, and this is why, what we try to do with our clients go deep inside and why are you doing what you're doing? And what do you think you're going to leave when you're gone? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So have you, what kind of, as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion, Let's go back 27 years ago when you started the agency <laughs> and yeah. and how the conversation has evolved. Like what time period did you see that it was more of coming from clients or more of you, um, you know, mentoring your clients to say this is something you need to get on top of or bring this into it as you shift into the why? And how do you think... In parallel with that shift of diversity, equity, and inclusion becoming part of the conversation and how you're servicing for your clients, how has that shifted the role of PR since there's a lot of people that point to PR and say, oh, this is performative, this is just a PR stunt that it contributed. So there's a, a branding problem for PR <laughs> that is yeah. built on some truth, but some of it's not. Um where the 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 performativity of communications around DEI stemmed from PR from the deflect deny model but i'm so i'm super curious of this parallel of inc- incorporating DEI into the conversation and messaging with clients along with shifting how PR traditionally has been done as a discipline and how we what we recommend as ways to handle situations for our clients as PR agencies. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, as I, as I said before, you know,
1: we have to think about where where I am, which is Spain, and in terms of DI. Um, Obviously, diversity, equity, and inclusion means the same in all over the world, and we all know the different types of diversity, which is race, gender, age, disabilities, and so on. But the, geographically, there are some that have a, a greater weight, uh, weight than others, and in Spain, obviously, it has been gender for the, for the past years. Because of, you know, we come for a culture. My mother, for example, uh, when she wanted to get a loan in the bank, she had to get permission from her husband, you know, and I lived through that. So when I was studying at the university, uh, woman, uh, didn't have the same rights as men, uh, either legally or socially. So it wasn't that usual for women to study uh, steam tech technology or or science or math if they did they probably end up becoming teachers or like me working in marketing or PR so when I started and we were we started doing PR for for tech companies obviously I was the only woman in the room and if I was uh, going to meetings uh, uh, meeting clients with one of my managers who were male they would always look at them and uh, believe they were the bosses and then, so but it gets to a point that I'm not really sure. I assume that women, there are more and more women that started studying tech, and also there's a the scars of of in technology. And nowadays, it's also happening. You know, talent is is scarce, and the more talent there is, the more you have to. I mean, the more. Need for talent, companies have. They, they more they have to widen up their, their views of what type of person should I include in my team, and they start including women, <laughs> and also at the, in the parallel, we in, in the, um, nineties, um, end of the nineties, we start having uh, socialist governments, left uh, winged governments that believe more in in social justice and, and gender equality. So they're becoming more and more women available, you know. So companies need, for several reasons, not so much because they believe in it, but because they need to incorporate women. You know? So uh, it gets to a point that you realize that despite there is a, more, how can I say? There's more visibility for women in tech. The, the whole system is fought and made by men. So, starting by the language, you know, in, the Spanish language is a gender language. So, we have a lot of words, not as more than in English, that, that are um, gendered. And most of the plurals, for example, in Spanish are masculine. Uh, by defect, the masculine word will come before the feminine word. And this excludes a uh, woman per se. And we we somehow... People my age, we were taught that way. The language was taught that way. But now we need to, you know, we, we are reinforcing. And, and now I'm, I'm going back to PR. You no, know? One of the first things we do with our clients is check the language. Your language has to be more inclusive. In terms of gender, at least. You know, we, we get to other diversity aspects. <laughs> um, but at least the language has to be inclusive. The I mean, I... I could go on and on talking about also imaging and about having, uh, more accessible information to people with disabilities and so on. But focusing on gender, which is like the, the big thing that it's changing or hopefully we, we are seeing it change. Um, this is the, the, the first entry point with our clients, you know, consider that you're also talking to women, not only because you're selling your products to women, but also or services, but also because you're employing and you're having women in your teams and they they need to be included in in your language, first of all. And then obviously there's also the social aspects as, you know, um, career developments. By nature, I'm not, unfortunately, I wish I could have uh, three lives at the same time and study psychology and anthropology, but I don't have time for that. But somehow we know and we see that uh, when there's a job opening uh, and as as a director, manager responsible for anything, uh, there's always men that despite they might not have all the, requirements needed for the job or experience, they will show up and say, Hey, I want to do that job. While women, woman, if we don't feel the 95% of what they're asking for, we will never apply for that job. And this is maybe because that's the way we are. (laughs) I don't know. You know, we're not so uh, adventurous or uh, we, you know, we're not so self-confident as men. And technology and if you add technology there so companies have to be more open in terms of how they they um, encourage women to develop their career in their companies how they um, develop career development programs um, obviously how they recruit etc this is not a strictly PR but PR also can help those areas of the company um, develop in a more not only diverse i'm i'm talking every day more and more about inclusivity more than diversity because i think we've been passed through the the idea of being diverse because right diverse is a picture but if we're not included you know it doesn't really matter if we're diverse <laughs> you know so we try to make companies believe that they have to be more inclusive because it's what they have to do and because it's good for them, not because of what it looks good to do. Good. I hope I'm mean, sorry cuz you know my English <laughs> English is not my first language and sometimes I use a lot of words to say something short but
0: <laughs> yeah I love it. No, thank you. Thank you for speaking English so we can have this conversation. Um that's a whole other conversation to talk about yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> English being the 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 selected business language. That's a, that's a whole other conversation and I and I refer our podcast uh, listeners to the episode where we have Carol talking about language access and and that background. Um, Carol is also uh, Spanish. And um, mm. so okay. she runs a translation and, and she really advocates for language access, especially in matter of life and death situations such as health equity, mm. you know, health situations and criminal uh, and social justice situations. Yeah. So kind of give us an idea of where the heads of companies are at as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion. From a government standpoint, you have a minister of justice, um, as well as just where companies are at as far as embracing diversity, equity, and inclusion. There's been a lot of progressive laws that have come up um, and and passed within Spain. Uh, And it is a very interactive and engaged civic population, demonstrations, protests, um, uh, especially, especially with any kind of when, while I was there, we walked by a protest, uh, related to domestic violence and, um, standing yeah. for women's equal rights and, and protections and safety, uh, et cetera. So, um, so talk to us about kind of like what the mindset is in Spain around diversity, equity, and inclusion, <laughs> Okay,
1: well, I have to say that in Spain and, and back in 2008 we had the first uh it's called a Ministerio de Igualdad, Ministry of Equality, which has the same weight as a um, you know, in Spain we have a a government that it's made up with it has a Congress, a Senate and ministries. And we have the ministries of of um agriculture ministry of education ministry of transportation and so on and in 2008 we had the ministry of equality at that time it was created to attack gender violence basically and equality in employment well somehow then the government changed and it went again to a right wing government and that ministry disappeared i am the that sort of um, tasks were included in the Ministry of Labor. And then again, back in 220, which is just three years ago, it it became again an independent independent ministry with uh, its own agenda. And with more areas to work on. So so not only gender violence, but equal treatment and racial ethnic diversity, LGBT uh, rights, uh we recently there was recently a lot of controversy, but it was finally approved a law for transgender because if you know in Spain we have social security, which is free health for everyone, and that includes uh transgender um operations and before this law uh to be entitled to go through a, a sex resignation. Um, you had to do psychological tests, um, mm-hmm. hormone tests, whatever. Now it, all of this has been abolished and you just go in mm-hmm. and, and say, look, you know, I, I want to do this and, and do it, no? So, and one of the biggest things that this ministry has done is that by law, now all companies that have more than 50 employees they have to have an equality plan that has to be registered at the ministry. And this plan includes. Well, it's it probably will take two or three months to do it because it's it's not a simple task. It's not just filling up a, a formula or whatever. Uh, you have to, and the companies have to create a DI committee that has to involve people from all um, hierarchical areas of the of the um, company, and it has to include, uh, procedures in which diversity and equity are, um, implied, well, are, how can I say, are assured and recruitment and trainings and career development, working conditions, um, re- that has to include also a pay plan, uh, um, pay audit I mean mm-hmm. men and women have to be paid the same yeah. for the same jobs there also has to include uh, some sort of protocol and uh, prevention of sexual and gender based harassment and so on so companies have to do it and if, and register it if not they can get fined obviously there then we have to discuss about that do they do it because they have to or do they do it because it's the right thing to do Without no research, I could say that probably all companies start to do it because they have to. But somehow in the way, I want to believe that they realize that it's the right thing to do. And um, when they do it, they realize they're far away from being perfect. So they are, and you can see because there are a lot of new consultancies coming up in the market, helping companies doing these plans and helping become more Um, inclusive, and more equalitarian, if I can say. And I think it's a good thing um, that it's enforced by compliance. It shouldn't be, but it's good because it makes the, the, how do you say that, the ball moving? And in the way, um, we're starting to see changes, you know, not only in how people have this awareness of that this is the right thing to do. But we we see, for example, now if you go to a conference and all the speakers are men, I mean there's no way there's a conference going on that all speakers are men. No, no one would probably accept that. And even even you know, I have my journalists that I've been acquainted with for about 20 years that they say that if they are invited to a, a round table and there are no other women, they will not assist. I mean, because it's not good. It's not right. You know, women should be always present and sitting at the table. So that, that change is coming up. I think Spain is quite advanced in this regulations in Europe um, and in the world in general. You know? We're behind in many others, but in this one, we're we're still there.
0: Well, and you're highlighting something that's been this quest for quite a long time. How do we hold leaders especially accountable for basically combating unconscious bias and systemic structures that are put in place to reaffirm um, outdated, unequal, inequitable uh, results? for people with uh intersectional identities, for example. So, you know, one could be, you know, what the Spanish government is doing and and in a term of compliance. And there are some things that the US government does from a compliance standpoint with equal opportunity, employment, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And and all of that is just this quest, as I mentioned, for accountability in some form. Um, and Another form of accountability I've seen with clients is this incentive, this compensation incentive, this bonus of hitting your DEI goals for executives. The problem with most of the accountability measures that I've seen within organizations is that (laughs) it's like, let's take the example example I just shared of of incentivizing (laughs) or withholding any kind of compensation or bonus for executives in order for them to be, um, incentivized to meet their DEI goals, hiring or whatever it may be. And, uh, so, okay. So our answer to hold executives accountable, to do something that is so obvious to benefit the whole organization, which is their job is to make decisions that benefit the organization outside of their faith, outside of their understanding, outside of their personal experience, not that is not to be the uh, the filter from which they should be making decisions. It's what is best for the organization. What's best for right. the organization is opening up opportunity, removing access to opportunity, you know, fair compensation, promoting, you know, et cetera, all of it. Right. And uh, so instead, you know, our best ideas is coming up with giving people who already have a disproportionate amount of wealth from the company and benefiting them more financially yeah. not a great idea I as a gay woman do want do, do not want to be hired so there can be a statistic that can be tied to it you know a c-suite members compensation that they get paid more because I'm hired that's not a great story to tell that's not actually um going to work in the long term and it doesn't feel good <laughs> No, there's, there's, it's problematic all around that we have to pay an executive to, uh, to do this. So there, there, there's better, more sustainable, more meaningful accountability systems that a lot of DEI strategists have put into place that we as communicators can tell that story that, that does promote a fairness and, and, you know, and, 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 equity. There's a lot of vowels there. And and equity, you know, story there. There we go. <laughs> and that's the kind of conversations we need to have of just like, okay, so my whole thing, Ema, is language leads to behavior. So yes. what behavior needs to happen that is in the best interest of the organization And an an organization is nothing but a whole bunch of people, a microcosm of society. So then we back up from there. So like, what are our business goals, our mission, vision, value, purpose, and then the people that we've hired, what kind of behavior needs to occur for us to meet our business goals. That not only includes like, you know, from a skills, you know, standpoint, but also from how we are building our culture, because DEI works at the individual, cultural and systemic levels we have to be working in all three areas right so um it's it's you know the the idea of accountability is absolutely necessary we cannot go forward because we are battling against systems and structures put in place to be unequal and unfair to benefit some demographics over others and that is in place. And so we have to battle that. And then we also have to battle that unconscious bias that we bring to the table that tends to want to reaffirm status quo. Yeah,
1: well, um, we're not at that point of, of um, giving bonuses to managers for having DI goals. And I think I haven't heard of any company in Spain that works that way. Um, it wouldn't be good. And I think it wouldn't be accepted inside of one of these equality plans because, as you say, um, that I think that creates um, more bias. In fact, yeah. because yeah. You, you want to to meet your goal, so yeah, you're, you you will hire probably someone to meet the goal which does not really fit in your culture, and and then. Yeah, I, that's that's very complicated. It's a, it's a very tough
0: decision, um, and, it, and I it here the, you know I don't no. want to be the token gay woman, you know, and then other people yeah, saying, right. oh, you're the the token diversity hire. It's like that's where these comments come from. So we're 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 setting up a system that ends up being really harmful for everyone involved, and somebody else gets more money. It's like it's, this is not a great story to tell as a communicator. We have to rethink how accountability is put in place to where everyone gets a chance to that there's a win-win-win situation in place, which is possible. Yeah.
1: Yes, you know, uh as I told you, you know, recently I, I I won the elections for the Chamber of Commerce to represent the 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 um organizations that fall into the category of PR marketing, advertisement and so on. And I Yeah. Thank you. And I'm part of a, a group that we have the same beliefs and so on. And when they invited me, um they said, look, uh, we would like you to join our candidacy for this Chamber of Commerce because of your tech profile and because we need someone in your area of business. We don't have anyone, blah, blah. And at that point of the conversation, I was getting all excited. And then uh, the, the man that was inviting me said, and also you're a woman and we need women. And then I, I, I backed off and I said, no. I mean, if you're just inviting me because I'm a woman um well, I appreciate your consideration, but for that reason, I'm not going to join and he was very well no, but I mean no no, 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 I'm inviting you for many other reasons yeah but and being a woman is a plus so i underst- i understood the point of view of the man that was inviting me because really one of the they wanted to do a fifty fifty you know on paritarian a group of people who wanted to to rule the chamber of commerce and and i understand but you know it, it's a big discussion so we we were talking for about like 2 hours and finally i in my mind i said well yeah the fact of being a woman is good for him but it's not the main fact, it's not the main reason why he's calling me. And in between you know, it's probably a five percent and then and then finally said yes. So it's also in us women, you know, to see all the situations that we're invited or we are promoted or whatever because we're women and then we should say, you know, we should be referenced for the women that are following us and just fight for uh getting we want to get because of who we are not what sex we were born with you know but i am i am it's 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 not black and white obviously Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we every but if the conversation is on the table i think it's good despite everything
0: you know so how do you coach your clients through inclusive language and helping them understand the benefits of it and what it actually is. They may not be familiar yeah. with some new terms that are coming out of DEI conversations. Yeah. Well, first
1: of all, we try to before they become clients, um, to check their authenticity and credibility. Because a lot you know, a lot of companies would do the gender washing, pink washing, green washing, whatever. And mm-hmm. if they have a discourse that they say, yeah, we're uh, we like women, we're gender uh, equalitarian, blah, blah, and they, they just say it, but then you say, okay, who's the spokesperson? Oh, Mr. Whatever. Who is the manager who is going to uh, talk about your products? Mr. Blah, blah, And I, I, said, But don't you have any women? You, you were just saying that you guys are <laughs> really inclusive and diverse. Well, uh, yeah, but no. Uh, so, at one point, we have to do like a fast check and say look we're not gonna we're not gonna do p r on diversity in your company if it's not true first of all, and then we open another conversation, maybe say, "Well, yeah, we have you know this tech woman she's very good, but she's never spoken in front of a journalist. okay, then let's train her you know let's you know spare some money for for um." Uh, speakers training, for PR training for, in, in in your team. And then let's have one of your women be a spokesperson um, for you. And then they look at you and say, oh, well, yeah, I never thought about it. So <laughs> the thing goes slowly by slowly. And in terms of language, um, there have been a lot of attempts of having like a neutral gender for language. And it's a big controversy in Spanish because, um, you know, we have, Spanish is not like English. Uh, To have a word in Spanish, you have to be approved by the Academy of the Language Academy. So I cannot make up a word and then have a lot of people use it through uh, um, through social media and blah and make it a trend. If it's not in the dictionary, it's not an approved Spanish word.
0: Mm. So, because we make up words all yeah. the time, and we know. shorten words and everything. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Interesting. I know. And in fact, every year,
1: I, I think it's around January or whatever, they say. You know, they run a press release and they say, "These are the new words that have been added this year to the to the dictionary." And sometimes just they take out some which are um, offensive now. Maybe they were not fifty years ago, but now they they or or descriptions. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, So uh, there have been different attempts, like, you know, in Spanish is like, uh, I'm going to say rojo, roja. You know, roja Uh is red, feminine. Rojo is red for masculine. And they say, okay, let's use an E, roje. But that's not a word in the dictionary. So what it happens now that the language has become you need to use more words you know to see uh he and him oh sorry he and she or double the the use of the words so you have to be very creative with the language to make it inclusive but that's part of our job you know uh, pr we write um they say PR is king and content is queen. Well, we do the content as well. <laughs> and, and we have to rewrite a lot of the information that comes from our clients and fight a little bit with them. They say, Whoa, but this is very long. Yeah, but this is, you know, we need to say it like that because if not, you're excluding women.
0: Oh, thank you for leading that work. I, I know that it is something very close to your heart and something that you are leading in the various spaces that you work in, different associations with your clients, mm-hmm. with the, uh, um, and all of your civic service that you're, that you're doing. So thank you. Thank you for speaking up and doing all of that. So here's a question that I ask every podcast guest and I'm really looking forward to your response to it what does communicating like you give a damn sound like or look like? Well, it looks like it's a must,
1: you know, it's like, <laughs> as you say, language, language shapes reality a lot of the times and you, you have to care, you have to give a damn of how you, how you communicate, you know? So it's, it's very important for me. And, and, and I want to thank you for your book because I'm, I'm using it a lot and, uh, it guides me with, in many conversations with, with clients, not only with clients, also in my day to day life with people who are not in PR and they probably don't give so the importance as needed to language. Um, I, I, I think it, it sounds good. I mean, it sounds good. It sounds like something we should, we should do you know it's funny because with social media and every one of us having a a phone we all take great pictures and we like to you know put a filter and have the great image and you know I'll take my selfie this way because then I can show this blah, blah blah and imaging is part of communication and we we spend a lot of time of creating the the perfect image that wants to communicate what we're feeling or what they, the others, uh, what we want the others to think about us and so on. But how about the language? (laughs) You know? So we need to do that as as well.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And yeah. Um, thank you again. I've said this a million times. I'm going to do it one more time. Like, thank Mm -hmm. you for adding a testimonial to our book. And um, so I want to share what Ema said about our book and that she writes in the book. This book reminds all of us who are privileged to work in communications that we have the responsibility to unleash the power of words and images okay. as drivers to a more diverse, inclusive and accessible organization. Kim and Janet not only challenge our minds and thoughts, but they give us a methodology to put our work into action The Conscious Communicator is a groundbreaking book, thank you, that will help us transform organizations into actors of a most needed social change. Thank you, thank you, thank you, you, because that's what we wanted.
1: (laughs) I have to be completely honest that when you start reading it, I said, what what did I write?
0: And (laughs) it matched a little bit what I just said before. So... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's even more important now as global social issues yeah. are really pushing organizations to face a mirror and look at it and say, who are we in this? How do yeah. what do we stand for? And the book is being used. The depth model, I'm getting a lot, a lot of people reaching out mm-hmm. and saying, we, you know, we are lost, or we put our foot in our mouth and all of that. And how do we navigate this? And so just so you know, Ima, one of the the things that I I teach my clients is called the lens method. And Mm -hmm. that's our duty and responsibility as DEI communicators to L, language, uh, E, uh, engage, N, navigate, and S, strategize. So that is our role here. And the depth model is a part of that work uh, to give us a framework and a way forward and to differentiate who are we externally and what we say which is where you come in and then my professional background is in internal communications on what do we do for our employees to create that safe space and that we have yes. evidence of that safe space especially when there's tremendous pain and fear and anger going on outside of our walls yeah how are things in, how are things going on on uh, in Spain, around these challenging global uh, uh, situations and, and fears
1: well be- before I get into your question um, let let me share something with you. We had a recently uh, about what, three four months ago an internal meeting with my my Directors at the company, and how can we increase our turnover and so on and with what well, you know new services that we can offer our clients and we were talking about well uh, how about an inclusive language check of their of their uh, website and so on and and yeah, we could charge extra and at the end of the day we said no, we're not going to charge extra for that we're going to do it yes or yes because that's the right thing to do we don't want to work for people who don't think they should use an inclusive language so at one point you know at the end of the meeting I said well that was productive <laughs> you know? but from a from a company point of view but but no yes I mean that is, obviously we all tend to work and I'm very grateful that my team shares we share mostly the same values and it's like no we're not going to charge for that I mean we're going to do it we, the first thing we're going to do when we open a new client is do a check on their website and on their internal communication and say, That's look, you right. have to change this and that. Right. And going back to your question. Um, well, yeah, globally, unfortunately, we, we jumped from one big issue, like from refugees, Syria, Ukrainian war, now middle East with Israel and Gaza and, um, Obviously, like I guess everywhere everywhere else, there's people who, the the opinions are, you know, some people think one way, some people think the other way. But um, when you really talk about regular people who are at their house, despite, you know, whatever, they're Ukrainians, Syrians, Palestinians, or Israelis, and the bomb falls on their house. And their neighbors die, or they lose members of their family. It's and um, excuse me, I was going to say the the F word, you know, F politics. We cannot go there. I mean, not innocent people should not die for for any political or economic reason. So we should all, you know, government should be working for us, not us for the governments. And In general, people, I think they don't want innocent people to die. So they should sit on the table, talk, and try to stop all this type of um, conflicts. But obviously, we are in a capitalist world. There's a lot of economic interest everywhere. And unfortunately, I'm really pessimistic about this. But this is going to, unfortunately, this is going to continue. So we just hope... Um, the, the, so big organizations like the United Nations, the Europe, the um, European community and so on, do their magic and try to stop things. Right.
0: And, and that's the real yeah. call from, you know, organizations who are reaching out to me that I'm working with is what do we do to help navigate our organization and our employees to, um, not continue to be divided where there isn't harm caused between colleagues that that Mm -hmm. we can reduce the polarization around the differing understandings of social and historical context and uh, personal and professional experience in in these regions. And the Congo is, is, is getting more visibility as a result as well. Almost uh, seven people, million people, seven million people being displaced Mm -hmm. and there's, So it's compounding. That's another part of the work uh, that I do with clients is working through these compounding, very serious issues, especially for NGO organizations and organizations who have um, like tech tech has teams in Tel Aviv, for example, Um, that is, that is a tech home in Israel. So it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's a time that we need to be having these conversations and we need to do a hell of a lot better than we did 20 years ago. I mean, I'm sorry, three years ago in the yeah. summer of 2020, the last time that the, the world went out to the streets, we need to be doing better than we, you know, what have we learned from the last time the world went out on the streets? So Ima, how can people find you, follow you, keep learning from you? Well, um, Obviously, on LinkedIn,
1: I can uh, they can look for for my name there, and on Twitter as well, and my email. I mean, I'd, I'd be very glad if you can share my my email. I'm always open to talking with everyone, having conversations. I think the more diverse people um, I've met in my life, it has been my life has been better, no? Because you get to learn a lot from from other people. You know? So I'm open to whoever wants to reach me.
0: And whenever I have that opportunity to be in someone else's culture (laughs) where I am a guest, you know, that (laughs) is very expansive where, uh, especially in Madrid, after I left, uh, we left visiting you in Barcelona. I'm getting better. Um, Mm -hmm. when we went to Madrid, less English, was spoken by like taxi drivers, for example, and so pulling out my high school English that I warmed up with in Barcelona, um, I was speaking primarily my broken Spanish, um, which was good for me <laughs> i am <laughs> I am in Spain, you know, and we take it so for granted, especially in the United States, where other people have more than one language, their native language as well as English, and perhaps others, whereas we uh, don't have to lift like that uh, because the rest of the world is doing it to accommodate our language. And that's something that we need to be very cognizant of. And so when we are in someone else's culture and as a guest that we um, absorb and honor the customs, traditions and language of from which we are a guest. So, Ima, thank you for allowing me to be a guest um, cool. when I was uh, visiting your city and I hope to be back in Spain again soon. Thanks sure. for being with us today.
1: We, 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 are, we will be very happy if you come again, spend more time, mm-hmm. and tour for some natural wine vineyards with, <laughs> with my wife. And I'm very happy to, to be here with you today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Okay, so what popped out to you from this conversation? And I mean, it may take a minute to process, but be sure not to brush off what you just heard. Look, you just need a partner to be with you through this experience and understand what to do next. So I'm inviting you to set up a one-on-one strategy session. All you need to do is go to com, and you'll see the button there. The more conscious communicators in the world, the better the world. So thank you for listening, and until next time, let's communicate like we give a damn.